Knight Rider theme. Welcome to the CU Podcast. Completely unnecessary for Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. That's Ian Ferguson. It's me. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we're talking about Playdate in Ian's hand somewhere. Uh, a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, not against Playdate, against WADA Games and their parent company. Uh, and we'll do a Q&A, Patreon poll topics, good stuff. Uh, if you like 80 shows, who doesn't? On the exclusive CU Podcast uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash CU Podcast this week. We talked about Knight Rider and A-Team. I'm on a Knight Rider kick on Netflix right now. And I might be about to be on another A-Team kick. We talked about how I've been on an A-Team kick before in my life, and I, I might be about to set I off on that I did not know again. that. You never told me you were into A-Team. Oh, I loved it. Did you have the playset like I did with the four figures, like G.I. Joe size figures? No, they had that. No, no. I mean, I, I liked it as a kid because who didn't like it as a kid, but it wasn't It wasn't until like 2000, 2001 okay. when I... Well, you can listen to the bonus episode if you want to and hear about the A-Team. However, uh, exciting news. Maybe we'll know by the end of this podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I just put an offer on an A-Team Hot Wheels van uh, on eBay. We'll okay. see if he accepts. I'm trying to get it for $16 shipped. I think I think you, you shouldn't have said that because you're going to have people try to outbid you now. On that, they're going to find you. Oh, I'm not bidding on it. I mean, it's but, just, but you could do it, multiple it buy, offers. It was a buy it now. Well, whatever. By the time okay. this comes out, hopefully the person just says uh, yes. Okay. It's a race against time. Hopefully that it's person a race just says yes. People screwing with your, your deal over the 18 Just man. let me get my 18 <laughs> Hot Wheel back. I had it as a kid. It was my favorite Hot you Wheel. You should have said that le- next week. Anyway, um, we forgot to talk about last week real quick. EA losses. They're, they're losing their FIFA license, which is pretty significant. Yes. They yeah, had it, it for 30 years. Um, um, yeah, so they're losing it for 30. They, they, they had it for 30 years. They've lost it. Um, I don't know what the... Uh, and then the head of EA, uh, FIFA came out and said something like, FIFA is the best name. The name that people know. The name will be the best game. We will have... <laughs> and, and like... I don't know who he thinks is going to, I mean, he's going to fucking, what, what's, what's he going to do? Make a, make a FIFA game and click and play. I don't know what they're going to do here. I think they're just going to let anyone use it. Well, no, that's the point. If they were uh, going to let just anyone use it, there's no reason why EA couldn't have FIFA back. I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to work ideal to them get it back, but not exclusive. That's my, my gut. Mm, I don't know. It's too much money on the table. So EA, let's see. EA's made twenty billion dollars in, in revenue with the FIFA games. Twenty billion dollars, billion, and that you know we account for like inflation. Like billions and billions of years ago. Oh, okay. Um, the go- this is from the original Fortune article. Negotiations over the contract renewal had grown contentious and were drawn out into the public in October when EA said in a public statement that it was considering a name change. So this was like, ee. I wonder if EA wanted a little bit of the little bit wet their beak a little bit on some of these microtransactions and and uh, you know card packs and things like that. I wonder if that was part of it. I mean, it's obviously all money. I mean, it's, they it's probably want. I think they probably want a piece. They're probably like, no, no, getting the names not good enough. We want a piece of this revenue. That's what I'm guessing. I think FIFA probably looked at what EA was making and wanted EA to spend more. Yes. Um. So. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a, the big competitor for FIFA's like the soccer game. You had the Konami one, right? But that doesn't. Winning eleven was uh, really good, but winning eleven never really stood a chance because it didn't have the licenses that FIFA did. Sure. You uh, know, it would have the teams, but it would have fake names. You know, fake players. It'd be like the college basketball games, essentially. Sure. So it's like, yeah, you'd play it, but it's you know, if you don't have, if you don't have the real Ronaldo, you know, it's like, eh. 
you got the statue version of him. Right. You get, you get the statue Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's just an interesting little wrinkle because it, it's huge that you can have potentially a competing big FIFA game that's AAA. Or like I said, we'll see what happens there. Um, another another big thing that happened, something we predicted that was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen a little sooner. The Switch uh, price dropped to 260 We said 250 but oh, you got inflation going on. When did we predict uh, that? Uh, but when the OLED was announced, we said it would make sense to do a price drop. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Because it's been out for five years. Like that yeah, usually. I mean, one was going to have to happen eventually. Yeah. They're going to push out the, the Switch. The regular Switches will cease to exist at some point, I think. That's what we said. Like, mm-hmm. They'll just do the OLEDs at some point. Um, they'll move them out. So first price drop ever. That's obviously a pretty good price drop. That's uh, Pat 40 bucks. 15, I was doing my percent. Oh. It's like 12, 13%, something like that. 13% off. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not bad, and it's almost 100 bucks cheaper than the OLED, so when you look at it comparatively to that, uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely help clear those out pretty quick. And it's $40 than the one controller Amico. So yeah. he, and and uh, ninety dollars less than the the two controller Amico. Hey Amico, it's not a my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he liked we liked cousin Tony. Oh, that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite lines. You, you like that? Not a my friend. Not a my friend. Anyway, um, um, so that was in Europe. There's speculation about U.S. cut as well. Nintendo previously responded saying there's no plans. Oh, it's just Europe. Oh, that's too bad. Really? Let me check. Let me check Amazon right now. What can I get a switch for on Amazon? So uh, it's, just, uh, it's just Europe, damn it. Okay. It'll come here. They'll do it here. Oh, that was the European price drop? Yeah. I'm sure it'll happen in the U.S. eventually. Well, they're making a little more. The euro's worth a little bit more, right? I think, yes. I always forget. Is. The pound's always worth more than, than the dollar. The euro's not always uh, worth more. I think it's worth a little bit more. Right it's always, it always fluctuates. The pound's worth always a decent amount more. That's why That's why the British were always like, oh, our money's worth more. We're not going to the euro. Well, screw you guys. We're going to keep the pounds. It's like, well, uh, that makes sense. Uh, we accept USD. At ultimateintendo.com, that's dollars. Uh, there you can get uh, you get your nice uh, guidebooks. You get the CU podcast uh, enamel pin. We're down to less than 10 of those before a restock in the future. The Pat Pixel pin. RBI baseball stickers up the wazoo. Use it as toilet paper. It's the same size roll as, as the ones you see in the airports. It's a gigantic one there. And we got a t-shirt. We sold a few t-shirts uh, last week. We sold a limited shirt last week. Oh, we did. Lovely. So go to ultimateintendo.com. I'll be on uh, Twitch earlier on Wednesday because it's game one of the uh, Western Conference Finals and uh, NBA. I'll be on 4 p.m. PST tomorrow. Twitch.tv slash Contra Code. And I'm, and I'm on Cameo. Cameo.com slash Pat Contry. Um, so there was interesting uh, news regarding Street Fighter recently uh, in the character Fei Long, who uh, is based upon uh, Bruce Lee. First appeared in Super Street Fighter 2. And um, uh, basically someone who, who, worked, who works on Street Fighter uh Lindholm 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 I hate it when they I can't find the name Daniel Lindholm Daniel Lindholm composer for the Street Fighter series composer for the Street Fighter series uh came out and said a character that I know we won't see at all there's been a lot of discussion about it I mentioned earlier a character I would like to rewrite the music for would be Fei Long uh, I have other sources, not only Capcom, but friends of mine in the U.S. who are very close friends with the Lee family. And they've basically said that any kind of resemblance to Mr. Bruce Lee is now omitted for comedic effect comic stuff. It needs to be honorable. That's why we won't see Fei Long again, ever. Um, 
it fo- he followed up quickly and said that he was speaking on a hypothetical le- level and had sources close to the Lee family, but not from Capcom. So he's already reversing what he's saying because he said in the original thing that the sources were from Capcom and his friends that were close to the Lee family. Um, so he, he edits it that way. Um, Fei Long's never really been seen as a, you know, in this article states on Destructoid has never really been seen as a, a comic. I mean, I was character. It was a serious character. Yes. There have been comedic representations of Bruce Lee, you know, in the past, but I, Fei Long is not yeah. one of them. I've seen once a time, once upon a time <laughs> in Hollywood. It's a great movie. I don't know if you saw it. I have no, it's like less than zero interest in that movie. Okay. I thought it was good. If I saw it on TV, I DVR'd it. Um, Bruce Lee shows up for like five, ten minutes. I particularly don't want to see the Bruce Lee segment. I was going to say that. This is, like I said, it might be on the heels of that. Uh, his portrayal, he portrayed him as like super arrogant, super into himself, and just like looking to fight uh, Brad Pitt's character, basically like yeah. looking to fight. And that's where it was like, yeah, it's a little over the line. But every, yeah, I was saying, no zero yeah. interest in that. Yeah, but everything's over the top in a Tarantino movie. Sure. He, he, he blends history in all these movies. But, um, that it could be because they don't want that to happen. But like you said, he's never been comedic character. Well, here's the kicker, though. Uh, the official Bruce Lee account, which is run by his daughter, stated, we never made any comments of this nature. We have no idea who Daniel Lindholm <laughs> says his close friends of the family are. But his comments are entirely false surrounding the Bruce Lee family. So it, to me, it something? sounds like some guy who is just, I don't know, fucking going off. Maybe he does. I, it's It's weird for someone to say something so authoritatively and then have it so immediately like but shot that he's connected to the series he's worked on the series that's why it's so weird so he's heard something but or or he's well no because he said it was capcom and close friends of the bruce lee family then said it wasn't capcom it was just friends of the bruce lee family and here's sharon lee saying i don't know who the fuck he's friends with oh so maybe or maybe they want any negotiations potentially to stay behind the scenes or he's yeah. just fucking opening his mouth and talking shit. Uh, this is destructive. In any case, Capcom can simply choose not to include yeah. Fei Long in the launch roster of a game or any DLC of any future game merely because they want to. I always thought that if, uh, you know, if you have him as a DLC character, you just kick some money back to the family. Like, that's a good way to do sure. it. Sure. Because if you want, if you want Fei Long, whatever, it's, it's part of the pack. You give you, the character pack, you give some money back. Um, because... You're allowed to do like parodies of characters and like, but I understand it's super close the same way martial law is basically Bruce Lee. Sounds just like him. Yeah. In Tekken, it's, it's him. And Forest Law, the, the son. Yep. It's, this, it's the same character. You're going to have that happen because uh, uh, Bruce Lee is, 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 is treated like a god, you know? Yeah. In, in you know, in, in the, the Asian world. So you're going to see him show up in games, martial arts games. You're just going to do that. It's going to happen. You know, it's, I don't think I've ever heard of a disrespectful, uh, I'm sure they exist, but I, I haven't gone out and looked for it. And yeah, I mean, I the ones that I know of in a game aren't. No. no, you would not do that. People would be so pissed off. He's beloved amongst everyone, martial arts world and UFC and everything. It's like, no, they wouldn't do that. Um, this this made my day, Ian. Mm. The arcade one up, Pac Man giant joystick that they are now. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's uh, it's not forty nine ninety nine. It's one forty nine ninety nine. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, I missed. Print. It's a uh, hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, it's on sale on Amazon right now. This is not an ad, but I think I saw it yesterday for one twenty when I looked it up. Um, it is a three or three and a half foot tall joystick. 
um, that has two buttons on it. <laughs> so you can move it around, but you can also use action buttons. Three and feet it, tall. Under, uh, yeah. Three feet. Okay. And it has a number of games on it, uh, not just including Pac-Man, but also has games like Mappy. And uh, this was the one that I had to text you about yesterday. Um, Rolling Thunder. Good luck playing that with this joystick, but yeah. it would be fun. Yeah, it would be amusing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I pay to see someone beat the first level with this jo- joystick. This is not like a maze thing where, like in Pac-Man, you have to change directions, but not as quickly and is not as frequently as Rolling Thunder. Rolling be going like so. This is my first thoughts about this. This is adorable. This is actually like decorative in a way, if you want, and it's directly. The same joystick from the Joysticks movie, the Porky's uh, video game movie from 1983 that we talked about in video game years, where they used this to play Super Pac-Man in the movie during the competition. They had a mock-up of a big joystick that they moved around. They had it in the trailer. You don't know if you remember that. You ever I've seen? never seen Joysticks. We talked about this. Look, we, yes, we talked about them in, two, in 2013 when we shot the segments. We talked about no, it. No, it came, uh, came up recently. In you know, you should, what? Yeah. You know, recently? Yeah. Really? Joyce's came up again? Because I think you had watched it recently or something. I don't, like that. Oh, I haven't watched that. Oh, no. Uh, it came up um, in something. Okay. So there's a giant Joyce again in the scene, and it's it's that. And and that was a Namco or Midway at least sponsored movie because they had Pac Man, you know, Pac Man little inner cuts. Of him going along, and they have Super Pac in the way, so it's just, it was a weird relationship in general because it's an R-rated movie with, with with titties in it and stuff. It was weird. Pac-Man, Pac-Mania, New Rally X, Galaga, Galaga '88, Dig Dug, Super Zevius, Rolling Thunder, Dragon Spirit, and Mappy. Like fifty percent of those are like definitely playable, doable, and fifty percent of those are going to be yeah. very tough. You can play Dig Dug with this, probably. Uh, yeah, Super not- Zevius would kind of be tough because you got to factor bat bombs and. Got to do the low because there's the two levels of shooting. Dragon Spirit, Ooh, that's gonna be rough. <laughs> like you're get, you're gonna get a workout with this. You're gonna be sweating. But I, honestly, Rolling Thunder, I think, is easily the most difficult thing they're including on there. I think I might like. I want to get to see the reviews. If this is well made, I might think about getting this because it's so stupid. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's like a decorative piece. It's not like the little plug and plays that end up at the swap meet for five bucks. Right. This is like a stupid oddity that someone want to play. That's not three feet. Ian. That's like four feet. Four and a half. Mm. Three three a table, Ian. Yeah. The table. <laughs> no, is it? Okay. Three feet's still, probably the table. That's huge. Um, yeah, it's big. Maybe a little bit more than the table. Yeah, because she's because she's she's leaning over in the picture in here. All right. I'm I'm kind of this kind of has hooked me because I don't I never heard of something like this before. No, it's very it's strange. very stupid. And this is of course the thousandth way that um they're trying to sell you a Pac-Man, but people will buy it. Absolutely oh, that will. top piece doesn't come off though. That's kind of what annoying. top piece? The ball? The part that says Pac-Man. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, I kind of expected that not to be there, because that's where the buttons probably are. The buttons are probably no. The buttons are on the face. Look at it. You can see it looks. There's two white buttons. On oh, the then face why do they put that on there? Then? I don't know. Maybe they think it'd be easier to put your fingers against. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Okay. It's the, it's the it looks it looks like a bowling ball when you look at that. Um. So so the the the, the one or two players are on the base. There's a little foot. Okay. There's a cute little foot stand. Okay. I'm into this. This is garbage, but I'm into it. Oh yeah, it's got the little footstep. I, I I'm like kind of, yeah. I kind of like how how uh, brazen this is. Where it's like, well, we're gonna give you a three foot joystick to play it. Um, it's it's silly. It's totally meant for when you have people over. Yeah, I guess how stupid thing will be fifty bucks when it's that big. But uh, one hundred fifty, I I I might splurge for this. It, it, it'd be a conversation piece for sure. There. Um. 
Don't, I mean, what can you say about this? Uh, Activision has uh, introduced uh, the Di- Activision Blizzard. Uh, we'll, we'll speci- specifying the Blizzard because it's uh, they're they're using it first on Overwatch. Um, I don't know why Activision went public with this. Activision announced last week that they are using the diversity space method to create characters for Activision uh, for for the, Overwatch. The diversity space tool. Well, it's a diversity space method. It's King's diversity space uh, method as the uh, the tool they're using. Um, that gives you a uh, a, a, a polygon, and um, it's like a stat building thing. But instead of like strength, uh, you know, intelligence, speed, uh, charisma, uh, it's culture, sexual orientation, ethnicity, age, ability, body type, and gender identity. Um, this is the sort of completely misguided thing that people who are against this sort of stuff think is what people are using. Like, this is just a comical caricature of any attempt at getting actual diversity in the games. So to do this, they, of course, have to add this. This is to prevent tokenism uh, in games, they say, by literally tokenizing everything about a race or a culture by assigning numbers. You are literally ranking cultures, ethnicities, and sexual orientation on a scale from a base point, from a base point, which did they say what the base point was? No, they did not say what the base point was, but I'm going to guess it's probably like a straight white male. Yeah. Straight, straight white male. Probably yeah, straight, straight. Cis, cisgender so the, male. the more you go away from the, on the scale, it'll change the character to maybe a different color skin, different height, right, which is different which is kind of um, crazy to begin with. It, 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 it sounds insane to begin with, but then you have to go and you have to ask themselves, how do you rank certain ethnicities higher or lower? What makes uh, Asian higher or lower than African American? How do you quant- or Middle Eastern? How do you quantify on a scale <laughs> culture change? We're how do you be- quantify on a scale sexual orientation? to be a visual representation so they're trying to visually represent change in culture in a character change in gender identity change in sex orientation things that on the surface you you can't do we're going to use extra racism tokenism and sexism to prevent racism tokenism and sexism it just doesn't make any sense so they're going to come up in their in their weird methodology characters that have a certain number score to get away from that base to satisfy a, a, a like a minimum score, so it's yes, it's like it's like diversity like run amok because because now you're forcing a quotient on something versus just saying hey let's just have different types of characters that people might want we're gonna have these like to 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 quantitize it gets you into this weird area where where. Like you said, like how, like you're going to score these things just to score them. They may not make any sense anymore. Here's here's what yeah. here's what I think happened. And I think this is what basically what everyone was thinking. You have a place like Activision Blizzard, which has been in the news for being a non-diverse place, which has been in the news for being a place where all sorts of sexism takes place, but also where it has been said many most of these roles are filled by white straight men. Okay, and it's. Instead of just doing what I everyone wants and the response everyone said, just hire diverse people and you'll end up with diverse characters. You have this group of people who 
don't necessarily have the viewpoint needed overthinking it and overcomplicating it. And but, instead of just hiring diverse people, they go and they make this insane fucking system. But you don't need to do that. Isn't Overwatch known for having diverse characters already? Well, yes. Much? So that doesn't make any more sense. I mean, then just keep doing what you're doing then even like to me, right? Like just keep making diverse characters. Right. I, I honestly think the answer is, and it's, it's always the answer is hire diverse people and diversity will follow. If you have a diverse workforce, you are going to get diverse characters. If you have just a group of white cis men working on it, you're going to end up with shit like this because they don't have the viewpoints. They don't have the lived experience to pull from. So they have to come up with a system like this to try to fucking make it work. No, no. My point though, is that in overwatch, you didn't, like you were still having diverse characters. Yes. So like they said, they, so obviously internally they said, this is not enough. I think they're we still thinking, to, yes, there's concerns yes. of tokenism with the, the characters. So they think this is the way to fix it. Do you consider, I'm not a big Overwatch person. Do you consider it to be tokenism? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an opinion on it. Okay. To, to me, I've never heard of this being complaint before. I've, I've heard this being the most diverse character set. I'm looking at the characters. It is. It's a diverse character set. Yeah. Hell, you got you got a cute little mouse on a, on a little robot. I didn't know that. Ian. It's a hamster. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. but then that, that that's the, the I mean, jokes. Tra- but there's jokes there too. There's there's people being like, okay, now do Bastion, who's a fucking robot. Sure, you can't do it. You can't do it. Do the hamster in a mech. Sure. I mean, how do you? Where do you fit them in? What's their sexual orientation or gender identity or body type score? It's it's dumb. There's a, the answer is to hire diverse people. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, and even like 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 you have ability on a scale. I like you can understand like it, to me. It goes, goes always goes back to like a game like you know like a, like a create a wrestler. Yeah, you can have a scale for height. You can have a scale for like musculature and things like that. Uh, you can have a scale for aging someone in terms of their skin. But when it's stuff that you can like visibly like that's that's the same across the the universe across humanity. Yes, you can scale that. I can't in my mind. I love to talk, sit down with someone, as someone who studied, you know, anthropology. Be like, how do you quantify culture? Like, what does that mean? Do you know what culture actually means? Are you saying that, like, the base, like, white person, their culture is not? It's like less than someone to an extreme. Like, like my don't understanding know what it means. is, you basically go uh, from least represented to most represented. Okay. So when you look at something like age on this scale, you're not going from young to old. You're probably going from 25-year-old white okay. dude to 76-year-old uh, grandma. Okay. You know, it's, it's yes. So then, but then, then, my, then my question would be, how do you represent that like visually? Because this is all visual, right? So how do you represent... Well, you make them look older ex- or whatever. No, I mean for like culture. How do you oh. represent the extreme culture, Ian? I couldn't tell you how to do that because it shows a bias. Well, and that's where, you, like, probably, that's, that's where you probably get yes. tokenism, too, yes. is like if you if you need to reflect culture visually and quickly, what are you going to do? Throw on like a, a, a traditional dress or like have them wear some... Yes. I, it's yeah, it's how do you, like, how, how do you visually represent sexual orientation? <laughs> in, in theory... Well, would, that's it, just backstory. I mean, that's the other thing, too. That these characters do have backstory. So there, there is backstory to it, but you do kind of need to... They want to... Whatever. It's, it's idiotic. It's it's, it's mis it's misgotten. It, it's it's just it's something no one asks for. Um, Social economic background is on the list too. That is, is, is on here. Social economic background. Yeah, so it's cognitive, and I don't want to know what those those end up those descriptions end up being. Like it's just I don't know. It's very weird. Cognitive ability. That's why I saw Hard Drive do do the, their 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 uh, yeah. parody post about measuring craniums. 
sizes because that's what used to be like a thing. What was that called? Was that phrenology? Phrenology, which was a, was a racist thing around eighteen uh, hundreds around the uh, around the uh, circumference and measurement of skulls, saying that that would that you can correlate that falsely, obviously to to IQ and to intelligence. Yeah. So it's just it's just nuts. And, I, and like you said, it might be them trying to get away from the, their bad news and what's going on with lawsuits and things like that. There's Listen no, to the Roots album. What, what, was the, what was the Roots album? The Roots have an album called Phrenology. Oh, do they? Is, is it a good album? Yeah, I liked it. I think I listened to it. Did Billy have a Roots album? Or was that, that was too too late. When did Roots get big? Like late 90s? Uh, I would say late 90s, early 2000s. I have listened to them, but you know, I guess in college, I'm exposed to a lot of stuff. All right, well, that's interesting, Ian. You know, well, I'd say this uh, as a general rule: don't do this in your game. As a because gen- this was like universally saying, like, "What the hell are you doing?" And so much of that, I was surprised I did not see a retraction within like within a day. I didn't think they did one. Hire diverse people, and the diversity will follow. It's easy. It's fucking easy. This segment of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. Monk Pack bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. I love the, uh, like, these ones are more like the original granola bars, like the kind you would get in your lunch as a kid, and uh, they taste great, but they're obviously way better for you. Sure. Uh, I love the nut and seed bars, particularly the peanut butter dark chocolate is my favorite, but you also got the caramel sea salt one, which is great, and the sea salt dark chocolate. And for me, you know, they're good uh, as a snack, or sometimes when you just, oh, you know, I want to tie myself over until next meal. Sure. I usually have one, honestly, uh, between this podcast and going to my next job, and it helps tide me over and until, uh, you know, I get an early dinner. They're a perfect snack for Zoom calls. You can use them as a dessert. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. They're not just for people eating keto. They're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying something delicious. They contain real ingredients that are nutritious for your whole family. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO. There's no sugar, alcohol, soy, or artificial colors. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering our code CU Podcast at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's back to their 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product, then enter the code CU Podcast at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Ian. Oh, Patrick. For now, a good four years about, we've been following uh, WADA games, the graded, a grading, a video game grading company that... It's been four years, really. Jesus. Since their first announced, I think it was 2000. Oh, yeah. We lost two years there, so... Yeah. Uh, the grading company that has been very controversial the past, uh, really, uh, more than, well, I say three years, I'd say it, was, it became controversial, in my opinion, uh, on the $100,000 purchase of Super Mario Brothers, that that one of the parties was Jim Halperin, who was one of the founders of, of WADA Games, who also was a founder of Heritage, Au- of Heritage Auctions, where they sell the graded games. And then seeing that uh, game show up with uh, Dennis Kahn, uh, you know, the president of WADA Games, seeing that show up on Pawn Stars, that's when we said at that point, I believe this is getting weird. You can't do this. 
This is unethical. What's going on? That That's when our eyes were being uh, sort of like, at least to me, that's where I was like, okay, this is getting weird now. That was like early uh, 2020. What's happening? Like, what is, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? This is like unethical. It's weird. Um, fast forward the summer of 2021. Summer 2021, July, you have um, a, a sale auction, Heritage Auctions, for a Super Mario Brothers 64, the most common Nintendo 64 game, sealed, went for $1.5 million. And everyone said at the time, what is going on? Everyone said, this is strange. Even people that were into graded games that were collecting them, even some of them were, were, were positing that this doesn't seem natural. In articles, remember Frank Cifaldi was quoted like, this doesn't seem natural. Uh, sure. when he was asked about it. Um, and people came to me and say, hey, Pat, what do you think about this? Including uh, Carl Jobst uh, at the time. It, it opened people's eyes as to saying, well, okay, this does not pass what you like to say, like the smell test. Mm-hmm. This seems weird. It seems unnatural. A game that five years ago you probably could have got for uh, four figures uh, now is going for, I can't even count the figures, uh, 1.5 million. You know, the, the point is, is that you had a lot more people digging into this, including Carl Jobs, including Seth Abramson, uh, the, the lawyer, and now you can call a journalist. Um, and then you had Carl's bombshell video drop uh, that, I believe, September, if, if my, if my um, timeline is correct, uh, and blew the whole thing wide open. Um, and, did a, and then did a follow-up as well, talking to a lawyer. And the lawyer was like, yeah, there's some, some could be some actionable things here. Along the way, Ian, um, people like Carl were called out for saying, oh, this is like a hit piece. I remember a lot of the time saying this is, this is like, you know, th- this is not true. Uh, you know, even though they wouldn't clarify what wasn't true. Um, you know, people are calling Seth Abramson, who's a lawyer, saying there's nothing going on here. Obviously, we, we, we yell into the void the past years. No one cares. I've had multiple journalists tell me that this was nothing way back when I brought these issues up back in. Actually, it was 2019, I believe, that the Pawn Stars uh, appearance was. Because I remember talking about it with someone, I think, at a convention. But, but the point is, is that there's been a lot of steps to get to this point. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about the potential of, of, a, of a lawsuit being filed on Reddit. And then uh, Wednesday, um, the news was broken, I believe, originally uh, by me that in, in California federal court, the class action complaint was filed. Um, so we're going to go through that. But I want to get your thoughts Ian, about about just thinking about things we've talked about in the podcast, getting to the point where we're, 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 we discuss these things out of thin air and then we see things that are discussed on the podcast for years turn up into in a class action complaint. Like, how did you see that when that happened? Were you like, this is interesting, this is weird? Or was it expected or, you know? No, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think much of anything about it. I feel like we are probably more suited to talk about something like that because it's video game related. So we're obviously going to bring it up. I think it always takes a long time for mainstream to catch up on something like that. It's never instant. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not surprised about the length of time it took for, uh, something like this to happen. Nothing ever moves super quickly. Sure. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my take on it. Um, cause it starts like people that are just like almost like felt like, oh, conspiracy theory, other people look into it. You get more people 
consolidating the ideas. You know what I mean? You get more more eyes on it. Then- well, I mean, the more people it affects, yeah, the more the more eyes you get on it, and then you start to build up a base, and and people go from there. Um, I don't think it's necessarily people think it's conspiracy theory, but I think there's a lot of times where this sort of thing is, as things are in a lot of aspects of life, um, it doesn't have, people don't care until it affects them or until they think it might affect them. And that's honestly, I think, what's kind of happening here when you look at the uh, the suit as it's filed. Um, the, the first thing, and as we talked about, I, I, and I, I still think this is, this is where I think there's something that they I'm not saying that there's nothing to it. I think legally this is where something is is likely to happen. Um, the suit starts off basically talking about how um, the tears for getting something back from Lada. Um, you know, the speed tears, uh, turbo speed run warp zone. I can't remember all of them. Sure. Um, these are things that you pay for that denote how long your turnaround time on a game is going to be. To, to, to receive it back. Yeah, to receive it back. Sure. Um, and I think that where you look at that, that is that is something that they can cut and dry prove that these games have not been returned in this turnaround time. Um, and they still continued to offer those prices and those tiers. Uh, dis- well, they the, the prices kept going up on those tiers. Sure. Um, but the turnaround times never matched what they said. Sure. And I think that's where they have something. So let, me, let me break through. Let me just we, we, real quick. We'll, we'll summarize what this lawsuit says in my Twitter thread. Well, it says two kind of separate things. Sure. Uh, the complaint. Well, first of all, the complaint. This is from my Twitter thread uh, last week. The complaint includes broken water timelines for returning graded games. The relationship, the relationship between Jim Halpern, Heritage Auctions founder, and Dennis Kahn, the water founder. They are directly named in this complaint. The $100,000 Super Mario Brothers purchase. It's Pawn Stars appearance and other inside dealers and conflicts. Uh, for example, Mark Haspel selling Atari games and, and, and other things that were brought up before. Like Seth Abramson bought a game uh, from Mark Haspel, who was a part of WADA, didn't realize he was buying it from a guy who worked for WADA. Something that like we said before, when Ian asked directly to Dennis Conn at a convention, like WADA employees should not be uh, buying and selling these games. Uh, the questions of law and common fact boil down to whether WADA engaged in conduct to inf- artificially inflate the retro game market, and if they charge for grading services based upon those artificially high prices while falsely advertising unrealistic turnaround times. So you have a, t- a two-pronged attack here. The turnaround times become unrealistic. At the same time, now they're charging more because the demand has increased due to, to their alleged activity of helping inflate the market. Yes. So they're winning on both ends of it. Uh, there, they're getting more people to use their service. People that may not be aware of of the inside dealings, but now you're also charging more on top of not getting them back anyway. So it's like the entire thing then falls apart. There, this is the questions of of uh, the questions of law and and fact common to the class members. By the way, to be a class member, you have to have submitted a game to WADA to get graded within a certain amount of time. That that makes you potentially part of the class. Uh, whether these these are the the questions. In the complaint, whether WADA and Collectors Universe, the parent company, engaged in a course of conduct designed to artificially inflate the retro video game market in order to enhance their own profits, whether WADA and uh, and CU's conduct actually inflated the retro video game market, whether WADA and CU charged customers for grading services based on artificially high market prices, 
whether WADA and CU falsely advertise unrealistic turnaround times to the public, whether WADA and CU charge consumers for expedited services, knowing that paying for expedited services would not ensure the consumer received their games in a timely manner, whether WADA and CU became aware that their turnaround times were unattainable, yet still failed to disclose the true turnaround times to consumers, and whether WADA and CU failed to correct their own misstatements to customers. So there's a lot in there that we've ta- uh, spoken about before. Um, so one of the things that we've spoken about uh, here and there was the fact that, like comic books, they, on a certain tier, grade games and charge based upon a percentage of the quote-unquote market price yes. of that. So if you are uh, engaging to um, raise the profile of video games to buy up these games and put out press releases to go on Pawn Stars with your buddies saying, oh, this game could be worth a million dollars. You know, oh, no, it's only worth several hundred thousand dollars. Um, when you're doing all these things, you you create an environment where people might believe these are actually worth this amount of money. Go and then buy them for more money. All of a sudden, hey, guess what? Now we have an established quote-unquote market price based upon an auction or two that game ian that was a thousand dollars last year that you could have got it graded for i'll just say i don't know 70 bucks now it's worth 20 grand guess what it's going to cost you more to grade that game now so these this is part of, of, of this lawsuit uh, uh, continue on my thread the crux of the complaint plaintiffs did not receive what they bargained for and that pricing for services were based on artificially inflated value due to market manipulation by wada and wada accepted orders knowing their estimated turnaround times could not possibly be met uh, the proposed class includes all U.S. individuals who directly purchase uh, encapsulation, which is the cases, and video game grading services from WADA, Inc. from May 2019, May 10, 2019, who did not have their orders returned within the turnaround times estimated by WADA on their company's website. The complaint extrapolates that the class size could exceed 10,000 individuals based upon average number of game submissions per customer. That's the one where... Uh, where they'd have to really dig in and see what the unique number is, but they're just saying, well, based upon the number of games we think are out there versus, uh, I guess they, I, I didn't go over that in, in the complaint. That's an interesting number. I'm not sure how true that is. It's probably going to be four figures, though. I don't know how high it can possibly get for the potential class size. I don't know if you have any comments on that. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no comments on the class size. Um, um, I, my takes on it are basically this, looking at it. I'm not a legal expert. Um, I have some ideas about law uh, and how it works. Um, so you, you start with the most cut and dry thing first, which is the uh, the pricing in the turnaround tiers and the fact that that doesn't... It has it, been, happening. Has and been and happening. And they didn't disclose that it wasn't happening. Right. You start with that. Um, it's kind of like if there's a, a wrongful termination or something or someone's getting terminated. Mm-hmm. Um at least to get in with a lawyer, what they want to do first is kind of like what, what's good for them is let's look at the severance package. Let's meet with them to negotiate on the severance package and talk about why we think the severance package is unfair. And then if we uncover other stuff, we can then go in and kind of do it all at once. Basically. Other weird things about wrongful yes. then termination. If we find out okay. that you were, so, so we'll go in for your severance package, for instance, but if we find out that you were wrongfully terminated, we can we can add that on, and so so you start with basically all I'm getting is you start with something that's kind of simple on paper, cut and dry, more quantitative, and, and then you go into the stuff that is less quantitative. Gotcha. Problematically, soon as stuff gets less quantitative, legally, you're in kind of a gray area, and I mean it can really go, it can go anyway. Sure. I, I think they can. I think that there's something here with the the turnaround times. I think a lot of the other stuff. 
There's a lot of info out there, but you need a lot. I, I think it needs to be more quantitative. I think the best course of action for this lawsuit um, is to uh, focus specifically on two things, the pricing, and then if you can. And turnaround times. Uh, well, the, the I'm sorry, the turnaround times. When I, I don't know why I keep saying pricing. I mean, the turnaround times, the tiers, the different price tiers and their turnaround times. And then you try to focus on the fact that they um you have to be very specific, and I think it's going to be tough. You're going to have to show hard documents. But then you want to focus on the fact that they charge based on what they think the game is worth. And you have to show that, therefore, they are fluffing up the prices of these games yes. to get more money from it. I think that's, that is it. That's what you need to focus on. You got to leave out. I think you leave out the helper and stuff. You got to leave out. You, oh, they, I don't think you leave out the helper and stuff. I think they're pro. I think, I think, oh. it, I, I I think as this goes on, you're going to see that the focus is going to get very, very narrow and they're going to cut off just about everything so they can well, get something. Well, let's go into this. This is part of the complaint. Glad you brought that up. Wada's history with Heritage Auctions and Jim, James Halpern. In 2018, Wada was a new company that was relatively unknown. As of April 2018, an individual named James Halpern, who was also a co-founder of Heritage Auctions, was on the advisory board of Wada and was an investor in Wada. He's part of the company. Heritage Auctions is a large online auction based out of Dallas, Texas. Heritage Auctions' website states that the company is the largest collectibles auctioneer and third largest auction house in the world. Blah, 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 blah. In January of 2019, despite being a new and relatively unknown company, WADA was given an exclusive deal with Heritage Auctions, wherein Heritage Auctions only offered WADA graded video games for sale to exclusion of other grading companies. It should be noted this appears to have changed in 2021, probably after the sale uh, it, to, to Collector's Universe. Yep. It sounds very, very suspicious. But they have to show something. You got you got to have paper that shows that this is what they're doing. Literally, In, that, inflating okay. the price of games. You you can't a, a suspicious situation. Well, is, is not going to legally stand. Well, they're gonna they can depose people. Yes, they can. They can. I'm just saying that, that um, I, I have a feeling when they. It's a lot of work to do all that. Oh, absolutely. They, I'm they, not saying it's a lot. The oh, lawsuit, want, the, the lawsuit oh, yeah. wants to hit Wada where it hurts. And I, I would not be surprised if something gets going. They're going to drop a lot of stuff just to focus sure. on what they can make stick. Uh, February 2019, a seller sold a sealed copy of Nintendo Entertainment Systems Suit Marbles for $100,000 to James Halpern, Heritage Auctions co-founder of WADA, advisory board member, Richard Lecce, and Zach Geek. Previously, the highest sale for such a comparable video game was about 30000 The sale was a historically high sale price. Um, they talked about how it was, uh, it was a VGA game, and they ripped it out, and they regraded it. Uh, we didn't bring that up probably enough that they did that to show that, hey, this is what we're going with. This is what we're going to use. Right. Remember, Jim, Jim Halpern's got his fingers in all the pots. Sure. He runs Heritage Auctions. He's a part. It was a part. He was a part of Wada then, and he has the game that's being bought and sold. I mean, to me, I, if if I depose him or, or get him on, on camera to say like, "Hey, what are the facts?" He's gonna have a hard time dancing around that, especially when this guy got tagged for doing uh, junk like this in the '80s in the coin market. Sure, he's got a history of it. Um, I'm just saying. I think at the end of the day, they yes. will go with what is easiest, and I don't think it, I, I don't think this is going to end with Jim Halpern on the stand, and I don't think it's going to give us the. I don't think it's going to give well, anyone the satisfactory ending they want. Well, that's you're going to another. You're saying whether I, well, it's going to go to trial. Well, I, well, and that's that. I mean, yeah. it, and, it, and it won't. That's the other thing that I, I want to bring up. These these never ever go to trial. This this will well, it, this will settle. Well, here's the thing though. They're they're really now suing Collector's Universe. Yes, Collector's Universe Universe had nothing to do with with just about everything in this complaint. They bought they bought this company uh, July of last year after all this stuff uh, was alleged to have occurred. 
So if I'm collector's universe, I might say, yeah, I don't know um, uh, how much I want to fight this. And if the number is good enough, I'll just pay it out. You know, if it's I'll, I may, and make it go away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I would say the chances of this spilling into anything public is is slim to none. It's going to end up right, with, a, with a payment and, and a class a, action settlement. I'm a little bit more bullish just because of this. There's only three so far. So far, there's three named plaintiffs in this. And obviously, people can be added to a class. Oh, yeah. You're part of the class, whether or not you know it, um, depending upon if you want to be involved with it. As we know, they can get the names of the people once there's a settlement in place. And there's more to this. It's basically everything we've talked about. Like I said, this complaint is like 99% of things we've talked about in this podcast the past few years. Uh, the one caveat, the one thing that I don't know legally what has to do with anything, maybe insurance, the fact that when Collector's Universe bought this, the headquarters of WADA changed from Colorado to California. What was the means and how were all these games transferred that were in their possession? And there might be something there. I don't know what, but if you're telling me if I sent you a game hypothetically worth $500,000 and you moved it across states and didn't tell me... Before grading it? And didn't tell me how you were doing this, what methods to ensure that this would be... That's a liability thing there. Like, I don't know what sort of insurance a a company has when they're grading stuff, but I don't know if that includes it. You're going to transfer something? What, like on a fucking, uh, in a fucking U-Haul truck? Like, how are you transporting this this stuff that potentially is worth millions of dollars? How is that happening? Is it, are these armed guards doing this? Like, like in like a, a bank truck? Is this literally people in a pickup truck? Like, how are you doing this? Right. You better tell me. So that's an interesting thing we never brought up before. That that, that could be something actionable. I have no idea. Oh, it's actionable here, but I don't know how you can pay out for something like that. Um, it brings up the articles that were written about that we can get into. Uh, newsworthy events in the video game collecting community uh, and talked about, it basically goes through the timeline of events that we've talked about before. Talked about Carl Jobes' video, uh, talked about the the Seth Abramson article talking about it, and and so forth and so forth. So um, the the thing I want to bring, I brought up the the Carolina collection, how they gave someone who was uh, part of the company, Jeff Meyer, um, a favorable grading by tagging it the Carolina collection. Like it's like, do you think that's ethical? Do you think that's, that's proper that people are profiting directly off of that? So, okay. So this is what, this is what we're at. Uh, as Ian says, uh, this, this is going to, he doesn't think this is going to go to, go to trial. Either way, it's going to be a long time to unravel this. I, I believe. Well, a um, lot of it is you have to, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't bring this up. You have to be able to prove it can all, this is where it gets tougher. You have to be able to prove the damages, the sure. damage done. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot harder. You can you can prove that everyone was in the right place at the right time to make this very very suspect and 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 you know uh, illegal. But you have to be able to, especially with a settlement like a, a monetary lawsuit, you have to have you have to be able to prove the damages so you know so you have a starting place to ask yes. for. Uh, yeah, for, they for probably, money. They can probably look at look at the Mario sixty four price before and after. It's, it's gone up a thousand percent or whatever. Look at these games. They can probably list out a lot of the games that some of these three uh, plaintiffs have. And be like, look at these. Look at the prices increases here. Look, look what look what's happened here. Uh, the one thing I want to bring up is this. Like I, I think I brought this up last time. Um, people could sue WADA separately from this class action lawsuit. You could still go after them and hire your own lawyer and go after them. This is not your only avenue. If you look at this and say, I want to go after them personally, that could happen. I'm not saying it will, but there could be 15, 20 lawsuits against WADA in theory. Anyone can say, I don't like what they're presenting here. 
or I don't like the settlement, they can go after them themselves. Uh, this, this happens from time to time. The other thing is this. In a civil trial, you get a jury. Uh, you don't need unanimity. You need 51% in order to win. If the threshold versus a criminal case is far lower, lower to win. Uh, they, they go by, okay, win-loss, and then, then they decide how much to pay out. It's two different things in a civil suit. So keep that in mind, too. So, so, it, so if you're bullish, you know, if you're in the legal team, you're like, well, I think this has a chance if we go to, to a trial. I think we can convince a, a majority of the jurors that this is happening. Then you roll the dice. You know, you don't do the deal. But like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to be there uh, talking to people, getting the information. You know, I'm not going to be there during discovery and things like that. But like, like you said, things can come out. Yeah. Things come out. You, you said there's no smoking gun. Like you need, you need a smoking gun. What if they find one? Well, they obviously can. That's 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 one of the reasons you go in with something hard and you take you take. What if they start subpoenaing emails? You take text more messages time in the back end. and things like that. And it's like, okay, we want to see every communication ever between Jim Halperin and Dennis Khan when it comes to this business. We want to see every text. We want to see every email. Everything like that. Okay, what is it? We'll, we'll see what's there. I think what I want to get back to is this: um, is that. When you have people that are invested in, in their game staying to a high value, um, basically say uh, that, for example, like that Carl is doing a hit piece or we're doing it. I saw someone recently say, someone who's invested in these games said in the comments, oh, this is just a hate thing you guys are doing. Like, you know, our motivations that we're doing it for hate. Really? You don't think that we think people are potentially getting screwed out of things and there's some sh- chicanery going on? Your, your mind is that simple, really. Um, so as Carl retweeted, it's like, he said, win, lose or settlement, at least these things will be addressed legally in some fashion. They're important enough to at least what from, from idiot podcasters discussing it. It's important enough to discuss these legally that a legal team thinks there might be something there. So that's, that's a nice comfort to me, but it's, it's not though comforting the fact that there are still outlets that ran puff pieces about WADA games and the price of games of last year's that have not run uh, an article or piece about the news of what could potentially be a gigantic lawsuit. It's news at least that it's a lawsuit. So um, two, two, two in particular, the New York Times, I reached out to the author of that article who wrote that one. I couldn't find an email. I reached out to Twitter and asked, are you going to do a follow-up to this? Uh, no response. And I reached out to the author of multiple Ars Technica articles asking hey listen this is big news you've done multiple pieces uh will you run a follow-up to me that would be natural you're you've been even your readers have been brought along on this journey through articles for years and this is a turn uh, a public turn and my response was it's not new anymore i found on on friday when this was uh, broken last wednesday uh i'm gonna what it was quoted to me uh i'm trying to not misquote but there's gonna be a larger piece that this would be included, this lawsuit news about how the gaming community views WADA at large versus just talking about the lawsuit directly. It is what it is. It's disappointing. Um, not that I should expect more from journalism and gaming, but uh, gaming in gaming. But I, I would expect <laughs> at least a story about a lawsuit like this. I'd expect a story. That's it. Just to cover it. You don't you don't have to editorialize. Say this is what's happening. In light of this, is that reasonable? Sure. What are you looking at? Anything else going on? Uh, no, I was actually looking at the the actual printout. Well, not the printout. The complaint. 
the complaint. Yeah, I, I read it all the day that you sent it to me. Yeah, uh, the plaintiffs. If you look at the what the plaintiffs uh, with what they're alleging here, it has to do like Ian said that they shipped out their games, didn't get it back in a speedy time, tried to contact them, or given the runaround or not responded to uh, along the way there. Um, so the other thing I'm going to add, but before we close this, since I'm the only one talking right now, is that um, I've heard rumblings, I've heard rumblings that this news um, has not fallen on deaf ears, that there are people that are holding, that have quote unquote sealed game, sealed game holdings that are looking now to uh, start to unload. Uh, they're basically asking how to unload these things, Ian, as expeditiously as possible, I'll just mm. say. People that have multiple of one game, say they have six Pokemon seal games or have, they're looking, how do I get out now? Yeah. I mean, of course, I I, I mean, at some point, it's we got to a crazy point during the pandemic and, and, and just after, you know, I should say lockdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that people are going to want to hold on to these forever because they might realize uh, the party is coming to a, a to a close soon. Or maybe there's some that realize they don't know what they got into. Well, it's like it's like crypto and more specifically NFTs uh, in the fact that um, and you can look at how many crypto or NFT you know wallets there are. You can't look at how many collectors there are um, in. You don't know how you can't get a hard number for how many collectors are. There's no there's no WADA games wallet number that you can go check and see how many are active. But much like NFT, I feel like a lot of the the sealed game collecting stuff is a, uh, you know, it's a loud minority. I don't think there's a lot of people there. So if the people who are already in the scene start to get a little gun shy about it, you're not going to have a lot of avenues to get rid of these. Oh, no. You have to at least not at the price that you, you you want to get rid of them for. But your only choice is auction houses. That's where <laughs> that's where all these sales happen. They don't really happen on eBay for these prices. They happen on auction houses. You have to, but they only can do a certain amount of. They can't just like have one month. Ian, we're going to throw all the hundred and fifty sealed Mario. No, I think it's going to be private sales, and they're obviously going to be less. Than, I think it's going to all end up going for less than what they wanted it to go. But for. even the, but even Ian, see your point. But even the private sales, at some point, they have to make their money back because the vast majority of people are speculators. So they're going to have to come back to an auction at some point in time. But what you're saying, I see what you're saying. The people, the, the people at the top are going to have to offload it to in private sales, but those people figure, probably figured, oh, I got a deal. I can probably get more. No, all I'm saying out. is, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're reading into what I'm saying too much. All I'm saying is they're going to have to let these go for less than what they want them to go for. Sure. But you don't a, know how a, much less. There's a small market. You don't know how much less, but you're still just selling within a that market community. as yes. people, as in the market gets, every person who does that, it's like retro games. Every person who does that, that gets smaller and smaller until you just have people who no longer want to buy this stuff for that price. Because you're not bringing And then if you want anything for it, you get rid of it to the, you know, you put it up for market or auction and, you know, you might, that's, that's, that's when you see the crash is when you have that dedicated market lose interest, you put it up for auction and then you find people who might be partially interested in it but they're only going to go up to a certain point yes they get priced out so when this stuff starts to drop in price i guess all i'm getting at is when it starts to drop in price it's going to look like it's dropping in price a little and then i think there's going to be a the bottom falls out the bottom falls out until you find the average person who wants to own that sure and that's going to be for a lot less you're going to find the you're going to basically say people like like me or ian or people that, yeah, we might be interested in some of these games sealed, but I'm not spending 30 grand on one. Maybe you get me for a grand. Right. Maybe you get I, me for a two. You right. know, like, yeah. Sure. Like back to where it used to be. It's closer sure. to where it used to be like three, four years ago. 
Where it's like, yeah, I go to a convention, I used to see $400 sealed Super Mario Brothers. At multiple conventions, I saw like $400 sealed, and no one was buying them. I just bring that up. I, and no one was buying them. Like the ones that are probably made in like 87, 88, 80, like more like 88, 89, like later ones, but no one was buying them at $400. They were sitting there. Nowadays, you have people probably like lunge at each other and kill each other over them. So we'll get back to that point where you see that again. Maybe, maybe not. Could take years. But there's a lot out there that people have gobbled up uh, privately the past few years. But now you have to bring that back out to the general market, like Ian says. And will there be that interest? What if someone has, what if someone went out and bought up, you know, 50 Pokemon sealed Game Boy games and they're sitting on them? There's a stack of them sitting there. We know the dentist has a room full of them. We know that. Like there's people that have, have compiled these. Sure. They got to go back out at some point to the public to recoup recoup all the investment. All right, well, that's it. We'll see where this heads. This might take a bit, probably, Ian, right? To like sort of like getting news out after this. This will take forever. It's going to take forever. Ian, something uh, arrived in the mail uh, for you last week, huh? Yeah, it's a little longer of a podcast. Uh, got the play date. Um, so the play date is the little yellow handheld with the crank on the side. You turn the crank and watch the plank by um panic and uh this was announced in i think 2018 2019 it's been a while it's been a while uh 2018 or 2019 and i was excited to pre-order it um it's uh by a company called panic that i don't know however the first time that i that from the very moment i saw it panic I, did untitled goose game right no um that's house house um, Panic might have published it. Might publish it. Right, go on, I'll find it. Anyway, um, from the moment I laid eyes on it, I said, "This looks like a teenage engineering uh, product." Uh, teenage engineering is a Swedish design house. Um, they're known for uh, doing audio equipment. They do speakers. They've done synthesizers. Um, they've done modular synthesizers. Uh, I, I, I own the, the OP1 and a couple of their portable synthesizers. Um, and they have a very specific design look to them. And they love cranks. They love cranks. The OP1, one of the original um, accessories you could buy for the OP1 is a set of cranks and gears that you can actually put on the knobs so you can turn and uh, control your synth parameters with a crank, basically adjusting everything at once. So I saw the crank, I saw the design, and I said, that's got to be Teenage Engineering. Sure enough, they designed it. Um, or they're part of the design team. Um, the other thing that got a hold of me uh, was the um, the way in which they decided to talk about how they were going to be releasing games. Um, they wanted to do seasons. They wanted to do a season of 12 games. That was initially what they wanted to do. And you'd get the system with one game unlocked. And then each week, another game would unlock. Sure. Um, I really, really liked this idea. Uh, in theory, because uh, much like the episodic TV uh, formula, um, it's a way to make sure that everyone is talking about the games at the same time. So if everyone's got the play date, everyone and a great game unlocks, everyone's going to be focusing on that game, talking about that game, potentially, <clears throat> you know, sharing strategies and scores, competing or on just, that or game. Impressions in the same time. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. It's fun to enjoy something at the same time everyone else is discovering it brand new. And then there were um, there was the announcement of uh, the 
the, the, the people who would be involved. Um, some of the names that were mentioned were Kaida Takahashi, who made um, Katamari Damacy, um, Zach Gage, who made one of my favorite word games, Spell Tower, um, you know, is going to have a game on there. So they came forth with an interesting concept. Um, they came forth with people behind the games. They showed some demos of the games. They got devs on board. Early. They got devs on board early on the concept. They got the devs talking about the the stuff early, um, and it it looked like something that I'd be interested in. Um, they announced it as black and white, no backlight, small crank, two buttons, D pad. Um, and I had some questions, namely about the lack of backlight. Uh, and the lack of buttons, you know, could be a hindrance later on, but it looked to be interesting. So anyways, fast forward after a long wait and a rollout that I wasn't super happy with and definitely talked about that on the podcast. Um, I finally have it in my hands and I have a lot of thoughts. Um, the build quality. The first thing you notice when you take it out is um, it's really nicely designed. Uh, it feels solid. Um, the buttons and the uh, the D-pad have a great click and feel to them. Feels nice. Um, I was a little concerned about the D-pad from pictures, but I like That's the fine. way the D-pad has the little raised edges. It, it, it goes up a little bit on the ends, um, so it makes the, the four corners feel tactile, uh, and it's easy to slide your, your thumb around on the D-pad. The buttons feel great. It's a real D-pad, no circular thing behind it to me, so it's nice. Um, I think the crank feels fantastic. The crank is going to be something that is going to be different for everyone. Um, they had to settle on, you know, one resistance style, uh, you know, loose between loose and tough to crank. Sure. I really like it. I think it feels very smooth. Uh, Pat doesn't like it as much. He thinks it feels the way you describe I, the no, problem it, is it, it, you, you think it feels a little loose. Because no, the looser it is, the more well, the looser well, it, it is, the more you're going to okay. fall down. Yeah, in, ter in terms of the resistance to that does not love around. the down motion on it. I don't which like is... the down motion, but it's 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 fine. Like it's sure. it's fine. And the down motion is like right. I said, the looser it is, the more you're going to notice that down yes. motion. That's why I would I'm prefer that. slightly more resistance, not lose a slight more resistance. Uh, yes. probably in, where, where, it, where it hits the system. But I think it's well made. It's a piece of metal. Uh, there, yeah. The end is a, is a piece of plastic, but that's fine. Um, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it it's feels. Break. I don't think it feels particularly fragile. It folds into the little. Uh, the it, you can fold it down into the nub um, in the side, so it stays yep. flat against it. There you go. Just figured out. And yeah, then, out. Um, yeah, and then you can close the case out. over the top of it. So I think the build quality is good. Um, I've been playing it constantly and I've gotten no squeaking out of the crank. It hasn't gotten looser or tighter. Nothing feels weird. And good, I've, I've been probably good ball bearing in there. Yeah, I have a feeling that that they must have tested that on a machine for a million. <laughs> yeah, a million trillion turns. Yeah, <clears throat> um, the screen. So this is where I know some people had some problems with it. I can't deny that a backlight would be nice. Um, that said, other than being like, you know, when you're a kid trying to play Game Boy in the back of a car at night, yeah. other than being in the back of a car at night or trying to play this when you're sleeping and laying down in bed, um, I have had zero issues seeing it and I have shitty eyes. I've had zero issues seeing it in any room where I have any amount of ambient light. Um, and I was initially concerned because I thought the battery life was going to be pretty low on it. It's not super long, but 
I, I, I now understand that screen to be a battery saving measure. Sure. It's like it, a it Kindle, is. how a Kindle can run for a hundred hours. I was I was yeah. definitely more concerned because I, I had read I thought I'd read somewhere that the battery life's not super long. And it doesn't seem like it's crazy long. Um but I did use it for a lot or for a long time. Um I, I think it I think I, I under I understand the trade off. Also, when you look at it in the light, that screen is fucking gorgeous. It looks fine. I have no I, idea how to describe it, but it's br- got that silvery sheen to the back yes. of it and the the contrast between and I think that's so, a big part of it. The contrast between the black and the white is it's extremely stark. So I'm playing bird watcher, Ian. Um, I just took a picture Casual of, Birder. Casual Birder. I, I just took a picture of a black bodied Bobby. And the words on the description are very tiny font, but I can read them. They're clear as day. Yes. They're, yeah. they're clear. It's I mean it's a tiny font, but I have no problem reading it. And now I'm I'm an old man. So I don't want to excuse it, but if the difference is a four hour battery life or an eight hour battery life. You'll take the eight. Absolutely. I'll take the eight hour. And I, I really don't think it's like I was nervous when I saw um uh jason do his review uh metal jesus did his review um and some other people were complaining about i was like oh no is this like impossible to see and i think i think for most people it's just it's an annoyance because it's a modern product and you expect a modern product to have it yeah i think that's more probably is just like what would be the cost of putting it back on but to your point the battery if it drains the battery honestly i wouldn't want it because this is this is kind of small this is about what two and a half inches across diagonally um it fits in the palm of your hand size-wise. I know a lot of people were like, it seemed like when the first round of um, impressions went around, a lot of people were surprised by the size of it. It's, it's exactly the size I thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, I think when people realize this is a square, if you make this bigger, you're going to have all this empty space. It's going to be stupid. It's chunky. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. I, I think I think it's fine. Um, like I said, the buttons are clicky. The D-pad is nice. You can always, I always, you always like a bigger uh, D pad, but I've seen smaller D. We've, we've seen smaller D pads yeah. and stuff. Uh, moving on, because I gotta, I gotta wrap it up, and I got a lot of stuff I still need to talk about. Um, games. So uh, if you don't, some people, and I'm one of them, if you don't want spoilers about what games come out in the season, stop listening. I'm going to talk about the first four games in the season, and I'm going to talk about some side loaded stuff. <clears throat> um. Starts off with Whitewater Wipeout and Casual Birder. Uh, Whitewater Wipeout is by uh, Chu High, our friends Chu High Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just saying it. Whitewater Wipeout is exactly what I wanted to see out of the box on the um, the play date because it is simple. It the controls are 99% uh, crank based with nothing else, so it shows off the crank, and it's a high score attack game. All you do is go for a high score. It's very simple. The movement, you know, you, it's a guy on a surfboard. And as you move the crank, it turns the nose of the surfboard. So basically you want to carve up and down the wave. And then you want to collect spins as you go off the top of the wave. And you can use the left and right buttons to tweak it a little bit to help your landing. But basically it's all just with the crank. And when you get cooking on it and you start to pick up speed and you start to get combos going, uh, it's it's a rush. It's a simple little rush, but it's exactly what I wanted. Um, casual Birder, I think, was a great 
This is cute. I think Casual Birder was a great side game to put in there because you have something that's very pick-up-and-play. We can do a couple of rounds, and then you have this interesting little mini RPG uh, where you walk around in kind of each frame, each screen on the game once you get going into it. It's kind of a little puzzle. You have to figure out how to best uh, take the picture of the bird. You take a picture of a bird, and, and then the crank looks the like crank so far. The crank is focused. Focus. The crank is focused, but then you have to figure out the pattern of the bird on the screen, so you have to focus on the bird then you have to find out where the bird is going to appear and you have to take some of the shots you have to take very, very quickly. Um, week two um, was uh, Groovy Loops, I believe is what it's called. Uh, I don't know how to get to the main menu. Hit the, hit the, hit the home button. Oh, gotcha. I think it's called Groovy Loops is a little music sequencer. Bo- Boogie Loops. Boogie Loops. It's a little music sequencer. I was playing with it last night. Um Hates it. I think it's really cute and fun, but the I was I all I I I pumped the tempo up on it. I wanted to make like a faster track. What what is it? Is this like a sequencer? It's a little sequencer. Okay. Um, I pumped the tempo up to make like a faster like loop, and it kept like stalling or slowing down, or there'd be a skip when the loop would restart. So I don't know if it's just because I pumped it up too fast. It was maybe 160 BPM. That so, shouldn't have been too fast. So it's more of a tool versus a game. An oh, it's definitely it's, just a tool. It's just an app. But it's not, it doesn't run smoothly. You need music software to keep a one, two, three, sure. four, not a one, two, three, four, uh, two, three, four, okay. one. It, it, it's buggy. It, yeah, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't play the loopback smooth. So gotcha. unless that gets updated, I don't know that I'd get a whole lot of use out of that, despite the fact that that's something Use-off. I was really hoping to see on there. I was really hoping to see a little music program. And then the other one that I unlocked uh, is Taita Takahashi's uh, Crash. It's him and one other guy. Um, Time Travel Adventures, which I think is incredibly unique. Uh, absolutely the type of game he would create. Um, when you start the first level, you crank it, and it's the one they showed in a lot of the promo images. It's a little guy made out of circles with a triangle hat. And as you crank it, he moves from his couch to a uh, lady waiting for him who he's supposed to have a date with. Mm-hmm. And the first level, you just crank through. There's no obstacles. The second level, you crank through, and he encounters a flower, and you notice he bends over to sniff yeah, there's it. There's preordained actions that that, that happen. happen as you crank through these levels. And a pig just hit me. <laughs> and then they start introducing, um, they start introducing uh, uh, obstacles or enemies that move. So you can crank forward or backward through the level, and he's always going to take the same action every time he yes. hits an obstacle. Whether it's a flower, he's always going to smell it. He's always going to sit down to drink tea at a table and you can go backwards and forwards that motion and you use those animations to dodge the enemies. Sure. It's extremely clever. Um, can't, can't, can't pass this pig yet. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a sneaky trick. Okay. Um, you can sideload onto this. There's all sorts of, uh, little tech demos on itch.io. Um, sideloading is very easy. You register your Playdate to the Playdate website. You open up the Playdate website, and you literally just take the zip file, you downloaded it, and you drag it onto the website, and the website beams it to you. That's great. It, it shows up as a gift, and you hit the button, and it opens, and boom, it's right there. Uh, so you can do that with any game that you download. And then lastly, I wish I had more to say about it, but I want to take my time with it because I think it's going to be a game I'm really going to like. A lot of people have liked it so far. Um, Bloom. Bloom is the first commercial uh, game for uh, Playdate. 
that's not included in any of the seasons. Mm -hmm. It's $9.99. It's by RNG Party. Uh, It's about a girl who runs a flower shop. Um, I loved working in a flower shop, so I have to play it. Sure. But it's also um, real time, like Animal Crossing. Sure. Things happen in real time. So if you turn it on at night or open it during the morning, different things are going to happen. Uh, I hope to maybe do a writing in the future on that one. Uh, as far as concerns go, um, the crank, it's fine now, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I say that I have no concerns about the crank, I want to know where these cranks are going to be at in a year. Um, and I want to well, know if it's possible to replace this stuff. I mean, the good news is that some people have had these for ch- over two years now. Sure. Uh, like you had the devs had these journalists have gotten yeah. these like a year and a half ago. So at least. there's so definitely like, ones out there that have been put through it. I don't and, think it's a, it is a and, and, I'm just saying it's a natural, it, it's a, yeah, sure. It's a piece off the other side. But, but and, you know, teenage engineering, like, you know, they have a good reputation. You've told yeah, me. Yeah, my shit, my shit is, I've never had any problems with my teenage engineering. Do you think that'd be the one thing they would get down right? Like this thing's going to last. Like I said, they know? love, they love cranks. Yeah. Um, my bigger concern is it's not so much a concern, but I think it's a failed opportunity. And this is where the future stuff comes into. Um, love what they've put out. Love what they, they're putting on it. This is exactly the kind of playful stuff that I wanted to see. Sure. I was not expecting deep involved games. I don't want deep involved. You just don't want them at all. Games on this. No, I, I, you, I have you, other shit for deep sure. involved games. But you don't mind if other people want it. I don't mind it for other people, but, you no. won't play. but I'm just saying, yeah, no, this is a personal thing. I don't want deep involved games on this. I want I want seasons full of things like uh, time travel adventures sure. and, and uh, whitewater wipeout. Um, but there are people out there who are, who have finally gotten these and I, I this was going to happen. There are people who have finally gotten these who have told me they're like, you know, I like it, but I'm just kind of disappointed in it. I'm let down. I'm, I'm not. I don't enjoy the games I've played on it so far. We'll see what else is coming out. They want some a little more. more I think a lot of people wanted and, and I understand it. I, I think it's just a matter of kind of being able to suss out what you're actually going to get when you're looking at it. Sure. They wanted, I think, I think some people wanted more of a solid video game system. A video game system. That's not how it was advertised. No, it, it, and that's exactly it. It wasn't, and I don't know where they got that from. This is a toy, and I don't mean that in like a negative way, but it's it's called the Playdate, and it lives up to the name. It's it's a playful item. It's something that you keep in your pocket. It's amusing. It's fun, but it really is. It really is that now, kind of quick satisfaction. Now we need to see where the ecosystem goes. If if more games come out that are meteor games, well, then it's the software. You sure. know, remember, software is what makes a system. It is, and so, you, you can yeah. totally do that. You can totally yes. get the kind of games that people want on here. And yes. I think something like Bloom is going to be that way. Well, the first games you get is Casual Birder. You may not like Casual the way it plays. I do. I like, it but no, I'm also. just saying someone out there yeah, may not sure. like the way it plays. But it shows that you can do yes, yeah, a meteor game. Yeah. Personally, that's not what I bought it for. Sure. So for me, I'm really enjoying it so far. I do think that there are a lot of people who are going to get to the end of the season. And they uh, might be disappointed. I just got suplex in the fourth date. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> um, what I really want to see is I hope this does well. I hope people hold on to them. I hope the fact that people have to wait forever to get them doesn't stop money flowing. I want to see a season two mm-hmm. done the way everyone wanted to see season one done i wanted this because of the software but i really wanted to experience the season of games with everyone all at once. at the same time and i know a lot of people did yeah. and the way playdate has done this rollout i don't i don't like it 
Some people like it, some people don't. It really is a matter of personal preference. I wish you could choose. The seasons start for you when you get the system. So I got mine on Wednesday. I turned it on. I got my games. Now, on Monday, yesterday, I got two new games. So once you register it, it looks like everyone gets new games on Monday. You rather have you rather catch but up. The way that they sent them all out and how slow the send out has been. Frank and Frank's got games. Frank's on week four or five. Sure. So Kelsey should only be on week three or something, but Frank actually asked Playdate to hold back his games so he could be on the same time scan time span as, as Kelsey. Okay. Um you know. I know other people who have these, but I don't know anyone who got one at the same time as me. So discussion is either I need to talk to them about games that they already played for a whole week or they're going to spoil the games that are coming out. And I'm not going to have anything surprising to look forward to. So I think the the true idea of what this was supposed to be would be best realized in a season two that starts at the same time for everyone. Yeah. They needed to, they needed an option here because I'll tell you right now if the option for me was lose some of the surprise and have four games on my system out of the box but I would be up to date with yes. everyone else for the rest I absolutely yeah, without I a question would have chosen that and just written it off I hate the fact that I, there should just be a universal yeah, calendar I don't, for it I'm not sure when I'm getting mine I'm in the second batch I should have everything unlocked in my opinion I should not have to wait to play the games everyone else. And I understand they want you to take the time without these games, but I feel like people. Well, if I don't want to play, you know, the games. Well, if I don't well, want to do it, you know. I know. But that's the point. It's to make you interact with the games, even if you don't like them, to see if you can find something. But fun. If they're already out, and I know what's out there. Sure. Just give them to me. Yes. So, anyways, that's it. I'm really, really happy with it. I was starting to get kind of bummed during the the slow rollout about it. Yeah, I was not happy about the second. I, I know. I was not happy about the second round of influencer units going out but um getting a completed product in your hand that is everything that was promised to you yes uh does a lot to fix all that so, so i'm very very happy with it for 180 24 games it's well made yeah. 200 is the package with the, with the, the case the case the magnetic case yeah no i, I like it I'll, I, I'll i'll see i'll try to if i get mine i'll look at it in like dark and see if i have any it's i mean yeah you're right if you're if you're in bed playing it yeah, you might have an issue but i think it's fine i think yeah. it's fine so, so, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm really excited to see what comes out of it. I, I hope to see more very creative, quirky, short things come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I might even look into the SDK and look into making games for myself. Oh, okay. All right, Ian. So, all right. Well, well, thanks for the review. And hopefully I get mine in the next, I don't know, three months, four months. We don't know. What what order number are you? Like 21,000 or so. 20. Okay. So you're in the second batch by only a little bit. Yeah. So we'll see. Ian, we got a Patreon, don't we? We do patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go, you leave you us uh, voice messages. I'm losing my voice. Um, um, well, the voice message is next because um, we started later this podcast. Um, so uh, we had, uh, we, you, you can uh, get the exclusive podcast. You get us in full video form for the entire thing. You get a, a writing that you don't probably do today. And you get this, uh, the Patreon uh, poll. In second place, do you get offended when others dislike retro games you love? 32%. First place. Notable retro female game characters over the years, and we thought about this uh, as as a potential topic in on the heels of the Video Game History Foundation releasing both an article and a video uh, looking at the first human female character in in a game, yeah, which, which happened in uh, the, an Atari game called Wabbit, an Atari game from '82 called Wabbit. Um, it was for a long time 
so she was uh, there was a, a person in the credits named uh, Bantrant uh, who was credited with the game and creating the first human female character in the game. And um, no one could find any info of, on her. And as a lot of these things are, it was kind of a case of uh, some slight misspellings and, uh, you know, marriage changes the last names, you know, especially back then, you know, women would take the last name a lot. Um, so Ban Tran was actually Van Tran. She got married and she is now Van Mai. And um, they found her. Uh, they were able to talk to her. Uh, she remembers, you know, the uh, the era very well. She said she really enjoyed it. Um, she said that she started off making games when she started making games for what? What's this company? Uh, Apollo. She started making games for Apollo. Um, you know, she did very well. And then she did games for a little bit after Apollo. And she didn't even she talks about how she didn't need to interview because the, the sure. person interviewing her knew her, you know, very well from her work at Apollo. She was really good at it. She started taking computer classes. And I think it was the late 70s um, with one of her friends night classes uh, because, you know, it seemed like a field that they would be interested in and they could get some work in. So that's that's kind of where that started. And uh, what, what does she do now? There's in financial financial. She hasn't done it in a long time, but she's, you know, kind of happy to see that, you know, this is come back up. So it's a nice story. Definitely read it. Um, the game looks interesting. It's a uh, shooter. Apparently the game is very hard to play. You have to shoot out rabbits going back and forth across for, uh, for, um, yeah, they're trying the, to get your carrots. carrots. It's, 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 a, it's an Atari game. It's a single yeah. experience. It is what it is. It's, cute, it's cute. So, so talking about, you know, female video game characters and like, like important ones, um, you know, we talked about video game years, Miss Pac-Man as being uh, the first one. Uh, anthropomorphized, at least to me. Uh, the first one, according to this um, uh, this uh, uh, Giant Bomb article, uh, might have been Ladybug in 81. It's a lady. It's a bug. It's a ladybug. It's a female character. But it's not like anthropomorphized. It's not a personality. But hey, we, we love Ladybug. We talked about it in video game years. We, everyone loves Ladybug. It's, it's an adorable maze game. Yeah. Where you, tr you, know, you have the traps on it. Um, and then Kangaroo. Kangaroo was a mother kangaroo. We, we, we talked about that in video game years as well. Yeah. I mean, it's as time has gone on, um, we have found women protagonists mm -hmm. in games more often. But when you look back to the retro era of, uh, you know, uh, women protagonists in games, it's 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 very sparse. Um, and you do you have to look at the you have to look for things like, uh, you know, kangaroo or, or ladybug. Um, so to ha or Miss Pac-Man. So to have, you know, a, a, like I said, a human female um, like in Wabbit is kind of big. And then you start to think really hard about what are some of the other, f uh, you know, women protagonists in games from that era. And it gets tough. Looks on this list, it looks like most of them were in Japan. They, they make it over here. Japan, uh, and the ones that did, a lot of them are. Uh, the big thing you'll notice is a lot of them are disguised, not disguised, but they're in some sort of suit. It's gotcha. not. It's not known immediately. So examples would be um, uh, Kissy from Baraduke, uh, who I've talked about on the video game years, who was married to Taizo Hori, who okay. is King Doug. Um, and that's a shooter, but she flies around in a spacesuit with a gun. So you don't you don't know it's a a, a woman until you're you're told. The, the original Samus. <laughs> well, and that would be my next one. The next one would be the uh, would be Samus. Next big one. Yeah. The next big one would be Samus. Um, you know, uh, famously reveals herself to be a woman at the end of the original Metroid. Um, I remember when that was revealed. 
uh, I, I forget how if it was like in like um, counselor's corner or if it was um, classified information, which gave you the code to unlock it. I thought I, I try to remember what like when I was eight when I saw that what I thought trying to think back. I probably thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I wish I remember when I first saw that. Like, when I first re- was that one first revealed, what my thoughts were as an eight year old. Not that I, I didn't say, oh, ew, a girl. I just don't know what I thought at the time. Well, now I wish I knew what I thought when I saw like the, that green, you know, hair in the, in the the little outfit or whatever. Um, one of my favorite games uh, of I, I talk about it all the time um, was an early example of a, a female protagonist, um, but it was changed when it was brought to the U S city connection. Um, the driver in city connection, uh, is named Clarice. And, uh, I mean, she was animated in, um, commercials in Japan. Okay. Um, in the Famicom version in Japan, uh, she's the main character, um, you know, in the front, when you get the U S version, they changed her, uh, to a generic short-haired blonde dude who's smoking a cigarette. She's not still using it on, on the box art and the let no. me see or the title screen. She, no, hey, look at the, the the U.S. title screen has a dude smoking a cigarette instead of her. Oh man. Yep. I'm trying to see the long play. She doesn't show up at all on the title screen. Not in the no, NES. It's just version. the guy going like yeah. this doing a, doing deuces. I thought he had a cigarette in his hands. No, not here. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would that 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 barely flies in some games, but um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. Let me fast forward a little bit, if you allow me to. Sure. Um, this, I don't think uh, we bring up Chun Li. Um, I think not that it gets overlooked. That character is, is, is supremely important. Oh, very important. Uh, I mean, back. I mean, remember, I remember playing Street Fighter Two, and I'd get made fun of for picking Chun Li because made fun it of, was really? the girl. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. So that was at ninety two. Um, Street Fighter Two was it ninety two? I always forget. Um, but that because you have a strong, uh, strong female character. She's beating up guys. You know, it's not it's not a, it's not like just like, oh, she's just a character that they've thrown in there. She's, you know, thighs of steel and all that. And a great character, a very like a pick up and play character, too. I think that was, that's important. It's not like a complex character to learn. So maybe that helped people like sure. as a character. You know, it was 92 uh, Street Fighter 2 or 91. I was great. It's, 90, it's, right, it's 91, 91. Um, so that's an important character. And obviously we get to Lara Croft and things sort of like. Things change now because now you're in the mid '90s. You have uh, games that are more; um, they're getting closer and closer to like a narrative sort of movie in terms of telling it more. Uh, you know, get, we get more voice acting in games in the mid '90s. You have a lot more different things happening, uh, and, and Lara Croft is sort of like the, like an interesting moment in time. And you had it happen like Dataless Encounter with Tia Carrera on the cover. You know, of like these like uh, you, these f- full motion video games. You had a lot of women in there for obvious reason to appeal to like teenage boys like myself. But Lara Croft is obviously super important. Yeah. Super important character. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, it, you, you, there's that weird part in the 80s. So these characters get introduced. And um, I'm pulling some of this from uh, an article by Ryan Lambie called The Forgotten Early Heroines of Video Games. It's a nice little article. There's a couple I didn't mention here. Um, you have these characters, the, the, these, these women in video games, but they're all, but they're all basically hidden. Right. You can't have them out there as, you know, you can't market, them uh, can't to boys, market it yeah. that way. You can't yeah. market it to boys. So they're hidden. It's kind of like this. We got gotcha you sort sure. of thing. Then you get like Chun-Li. Okay. You get Chun-Li. But then you start so, getting yeah. this influx. Yeah. You start getting this influx. But they're they're It feels weird to, to count some of these early iterations because they were so developed for men. Sure. Straight, straight men. That they're all they're all very pretty. They all have 
huge chests. They all have, you know, round asses. It's not until you look at the models for stuff like Ridge Racer. I mean, Lara Croft, man. A uh, polygon Astro. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah, they're, they're sexualized. Yeah, they're, they're, high, they're highly sexualized. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's So you get hidden, then you get highly sexualized, and it takes a while for it to kind of like... Even out. Just yeah. become a thing. Just become like, it's accepted, we're going to put a woman in a game. And even out, yeah. Yeah. Like, so. un, like Unreal. You create your own character. You can be right. a, a female character, you know? Tons so. of armor on it, you know, like, so yeah, once you get probably the late, late 90s is when it sort of like started even out a little bit more. I would say mid 2000s. Really that long? Late nine. I mean, mid to late 90s is Lara Croft. I mean, well, that's I, all. I'm talking, that's... I guess late 90s is when. Okay. I would, I'll say 2000 and on, you start to okay. see a pretty decent improvement in that era. Okay. Area. So, so, um, yeah. And obviously today it's a, it's an afterthought. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. You can market, you know, women uh, to, to men in, in, for gaming or boys and it's not a thing anymore. To the same extent uh, as it was, I wonder. I wonder how important Sonya was because Sonya was was full motion video. You see a woman beating the crap out of guys. I mean, probably about as yeah. as important as Chun Li. You, yeah. you start to see the representation, but it's always like there's one, and then yes. the rest are guys. It's not until you get into some of the later well, games with big rosters where you start to see a more even yeah, a more even split. That's how toys were, and and, and that's unfortunate because like. Like when, well, like I would, yeah. You go from token female to actual, well, including female, no, uh, female representation. You better watch yourself. GI Joe did not have token female. I didn't say. To, I'm, I'm talking uh, about Street Fighter and. But I'm and, saying uh, is they just Mortal had Kombat. less of them because they think boys didn't want them. When I would have loved to buy, you know, a Scarlet figure. You know, they, they didn't. They only had one. They just they didn't have one like in the middle eighties. They had one Lady J. They only had a. They only had three or four characters. GI Joe only had four female characters in the first line. Like I would have loved to have them. Like I would have loved to have more of them. Yeah, it's like they, they were. They were like they always put at least one in each episode. Uh, they try to cycle them around. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I think they. I think people take for granted how much you know boys were accepting of of girl or, or, or female characters. Like that's like it was. I don't think we were. I never said ill a girl. Mm, I don't know. I, I grew. Up, I grew up where a lot of boys were exactly okay. that way. Then Pat, like I said, I then, I got made fun of for playing as Chun Li. Then little Pat was more aggressive than he thought because I loved. Uh, I loved playing with uh, Tila and Evil Lynn as a kid. You know, I I love playing with those characters or, or watching them. It was fine. So so it's yeah, it's a good um, it's a good article. And check out the uh, Video Game History Foundation uh, video on on uh, Wabbit. I like that they use Wabbit because that's that's the pronunciation from Wabbit. from Elmer Fudd there. Uh, we got uh, we got voicemails, Ian. We do, although we're probably going to have to like do ten minutes uh, of just a couple of them this week because yeah, we ran long. Um, I, w- I will. I oh, hold on though. Update. Uh, 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 we got an update. Uh, what? what? update uh the a-team van is on its way to me right oh, now thank you Ian. you're I was, welcome i was very yeah. so I, was, I was very worried go to anchor.m slash to see your podcast yeah accepted the offer leave us a short voicemail we'll do like 10 minutes here hey this is nick from tokyo i had a question for the both of you uh 1996 had a lot of great movies um independence day space jam 12 monkeys to name a few uh but one of my favorites from that year was broken arrow with Christian Slater and John Travolta. Okay. <laughs> Could you share your thoughts on that movie? And if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it recently enough, I'd also like to request, if you have the time, to give it a watch. And then uh, maybe you can get back to me next week. Um, uh, but yeah, thanks. I've seen most of Broken Arrow. I will I will pass on a, on a second viewing of that. It's a goofy, <laughs> one of the goofy mid to late 90s action movies. Like, I know I love Con Air. It's like a dumb classic. Or The Rock. The Rock is actually pretty good. Um yeah, I don't have any thoughts on it. Whenever we we think of um, what the hell, the fo- Howie Long, he had a few moves in the mid nineties. They try to transfer him from ex Raiders football player to action star. 
The problem is, is he doesn't know how to act. And Frank always brings up a review of one of the movies from his Leonard Maltin's uh, film, uh, film guy that says, uh, Howie Long looks like Ed Harris if Ed Harris only had one facial expression. <laughs> it's like really funny. Um, I yeah. never saw Broken Arrow, so I'll just pick a different movie from 1996 that I like. Uh, Twister. Watch Twister. Independence Day was also 96, I believe, wasn't it? That was, like a, that was a big year for like the weird, dumb... I'll take my, I'll take my man, Bill Paxton. C- CG got just good enough where we can trick you into doing these blockbusters in the mid-90s. We got you there. You'll take your, you'll take your Paxton. Hey, guys. Since you don't talk about day. sports games very much on the CU podcast, I was just curious what your favorite retro sports games are. My uh, top three are Tecmo Super Bowl, Baseball Stars, yep. and the most underrated uh, sports game of all time, Dusty Diamond's All-Star Softball. It's up there for me. And curious to see what you think. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye. That's three good ones right there. Um, I, so uh, Tecmo Super Bowl is definitely one of mine. Uh, this is something that pisses people off. I-, I love baseball stars. I do. I do. I really, really, really like um, Femista in RBI Stadium. Yeah, you can, you're allowed to like I, it. I like it better. You're allowed to like an inferior game. You're allowed to like that. I, uh, I like fun. it better. It's crispy. It's a fun game. It's a good experience, the, the gameplay. Um, so those would probably be two of my bigger um, retro ones. Um, I also used to like a lot of the really shitty like uh, Olympic-style games. Like, uh, Track and Field 2 is to me a, a close masterpiece. Track yeah. and Field 2 is amazing. Yeah, Track and Field 2 is a lot of fun. Stars. Like the, Track and Field 2 is... The, the fact that they did all those different gameplay elements and the graphics are insanely good in that game. Yep. Yeah, it's great. Uh, obviously, NBA Jam. Obviously, the NHL games, the, the Madden games are fun in the early mid-90s. Like, there's so many that are great. Uh, next one here. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Will out of Chattanooga. The other day, I went to a local barcade called Level Up. It's not very good. Don't recommend it if you're in the area. Um, Anyway, I encountered something I'd never seen before, which was emulated retro arcade cabinets like Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, etc. that you would actually put real money into, put quarters into. But the emulation wasn't great. It was actually it was actually pretty rough. I played versus Super Mario Brothers, and there was a very noticeable delay in button inputs. And like I understand wanting to own something like an arcade one-up machine for your home, but if I'm at like a barcade paying actual money, I'd rather be playing on the real thing rather than an emulator. Yeah, um, honestly, I think some of those one-up machines are probably closer than some of those awful multi-boards. I, I hate the multi-boards. Well, he's talking about an, em- an emulator, like a computer inside. <laughs> well, he said emulator machine. So, I mean, I, I, it's, I thought he was talking about like a, I thought he was talking about like a multi-board. I, I thought he was talking about like MAME. That's what it sounded like to me versus a multi-board. Uh, to me, it sounded like he was talking about a multi-board because it had oh. Mario Verse and stuff on it. Okay. But I, either way, um, no, it's a horrible way to play games and I don't recommend it. And I wouldn't put money into it. Well, if you're paying, if you want the full arcade experience. You know. I understand why people have them. Like, sure. Uh, Dino Club has some of them, but I just, yeah, I, th- I think I he, hate them. I think he means like an emulator, like, like, like a straight up emulator because I've seen those. You can, you can rig those like MAME. Oh, sure. Yeah. Put a quarter in. Versus like a multi board because I I played multi boards at ones that were, seemed okay. I mean I didn't play through all, but they they have met certain spots. All right, next. Hey Pat and Ian, I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, just curious, since you guys are San Diego residents, I'm a former resident myself. What's the highlight? Uh, what's the biggest highlight of living in the area of San Diego yeah. that you feel uh, for both of you? It's easy. And also the biggest. Uh, thing that you hate about the area just kind of curious uh also no, if you can tell me what's going on with that vinyl uh, link costume behind you what's the story behind it uh i got Thanks it from okay chief um at a convention it's a ben cooper unused uh 
uh, gruesome Link costume that I'd never seen before. So I got it. it gave me a good deal on it. Uh, best thing is the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> yeah, the best thing is the San Diego Zoo. It's, it's the jewel of the city. There's nothing. There's there's nothing better. It is what I am the most proud of in San Diego. It is the first thing I want to show anyone when they come to San it's Diego. Literally one of the best zoos in the world. It is. Uh, it is uh, without a doubt my favorite thing about San Diego. My least favorite thing Balbo- about San and Diego. And all Balboa too, though. Yeah, uh, all of Balboa. Uh, my least favorite thing about San Diego is the sun. <laughs> I, I mean, it's true. I, I fucking hate the sun. Right, well, it's 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 worse in other areas than here, but all right. Uh, what do I, I don't think I dislike anything that much about San Diego so far. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. My question for you guys this week is, if you guys started from scratch, would you guys get import games instead of getting the American prints? Um, well, it depends. Do I have the cash I have now versus, you know, when I started collecting when I was like 17, 18? That's, that's a different question. Because back then, I mean, the only reason I was probably collecting a lot of stuff was it was so cheap. Like your dollar games right. left willy nilly. It's not like now where it's all oh, a game that was a dollar twenty three years ago is now you know fifty or sixty. Like that. that's a different sort of question. Um, I think what I would say is this: is that it, I wouldn't be a strategy of you know buy everything you see because that became the strategy, especially with the swap meets and stuff. You can't do that in today's world. You can't just buy everything you see. You just can't do that. Right. I, I think I am. I think buying imports, especially for retro games right now, is probably the best thing you could do if you want to own physical versions of the game and you don't care about them being U.S. Almost all of them are playable without knowledge of Japanese. And the few that you do need to know language for, um, you know, buy the U.S. counterpart. Uh, and if it was only released in Japan, sorry, you should out of luck. Go play it on an emulator with a translation patch. Um, but obviously, the further you get in games, imports no longer make sense. I mean, it's if you have to rely heavily on the language. So by the time you get to Super Nintendo RPGs and PlayStation games, that's not really an option anymore unless you're multilingual. Sure. Hey, folks, this is Ethan calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. And we all know of plenty of games that were tragically never released in the United States, despite being completed and even released in other regions like Japan and Europe. If both of you could alter history to have allowed a single one of these games to be released in the United States, what would it be? I think my pick would have to be Gimmick for the NES, but there are so many to choose from. I'd love to hear your folks' thoughts. Thank you kindly, gentlemen. Um, I mean, it's kind of moot issue now, but there's a few games that I would have loved to have seen come over here. I don't know how far along they would have been, though. Um, Bahamut Lagoon for the Super Nintendo is a great strategy RPG. It has two translations now. Um, you know, you can play it very easily, but I think it would have been, uh, it really took advantage of the, the system. There's some great cutscenes and stuff in there. Um, I would have loved to have seen, uh, driving. Oh, it's, oh, that's funny. They both have Lagoon in the name. Uh, driving Lagoon was the racing RPG also by square, uh, that came out on the PlayStation. Um, never got a release here. I hoped and hoped and hoped for it to get a release here because it seemed like at the time Square got so popular because of Final Fantasy VII, I thought they would just release everything, but they didn't. Uh, that did recently get a translation, a fan translation. And then lastly, I don't know if this was ever in the works to come over here. Wow, all three of them are fucking Square games too. I really, really want to play the cell phone game uh, that was based on the Turks, who are three characters from Final Fantasy VII. I'm not familiar with that. Um, obviously gimmick. It's weird. Gimmick's a weird case because it came out in Scandinavia on the NES, but not here. Yeah. And they did the US prototype, retro USB. I uh, had the retro USB prototype, um, uh, reproduction. Um, so it's a weird one. I think what Nintendo America might have said was, well, we're trying to transition over to the, 
to the Super Nintendo, and this is awesome. And they plus they had Kirby. Kirby kind of is competition. You're giving kind of competition to Kirby in a way. So like, I can see reason why it didn't come out here, but it's a shame because it would have done. You also got to well. wonder if there was a uh, bit of like this looks too good, and we're trying to convince people they need to buy a new system. Well, they did Kirby though. True, so, but, and Kirby. I mean, Kirby before, gimmicks are very right? Was that ninety two Kirby's Adventure? Oh, uh, look, because once you get to ninety three, they want to move on. By ninety three, they want to move the hell on. You have sure. title release and some of that. Um, 90, no, no, it was ninety three. So yeah. like. I think they didn't want a competition. This is going to be our last big... They probably said this is our last big release. Yeah, that's no one, fair. It's no, a Nintendo title. No well, it's a Hail title. It's no not. one cares about Wario's Woods. Sure. Uh, but like this is our last big Nintendo-published title. That's probably what it was. And, and Gimmick gets the, sh- gets the shaft. All right, do a few more here. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Max calling from Edison, New Jersey. <laughs> Ian, I have family in upstate New York, but I know that Pat has felt the eternal pain of living in the armpit of the country. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're from Jersey and you called it the armpit of the country? <laughs> so why, don't you, why don't you relax there a bit, huh? Why don't you Take relax it easy. Take it easy there, huh? So my question to you guys is, what are the actual worst states? Thanks oh, so much. I don't want to call out worst states. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's. I don't want to call out worse no, states. No, we, we love people from all over. There's, there's, there's good people. I mean, I'm. I can say, and 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 because I have friends there, and they also. Agree. Florida seems to be a bit of a hellhole right now. If you want to say armpit, you know, <laughs> like Florida's pretty bad, pretty bad. Texas has got some but, problems going on right now too. You were talking about political stuff. But yeah, like every every. But in terms of like, oh, you live where you got to live. Yeah, there's fine. There's there's nice nice critters and food everywhere, right? All right, you want you want to check in with someone? I do want to check in. Is that it's that late for you? Okay. Hey, this is uh, Tony. Uh, Tommy can't call nobody for a while. He got in an accident with that uh, hollow ride thing, fucking guy. But I was uh, just uh, drinking with his friend, you know, the uh, Chinese guy, Japanese, whatever. I'm so drunk, he might have been a Jewish, I don't know. But I tell him, my nephew got a birthday coming up. And he said, oh, yeah, and he give me the thing, you know, the, the switch. He have one in his pocket. He said, yeah, I don't need it. I got so many. I use it at my house to put uh, drinks on it. So I start playing with the thing. When I get home, I said, wow, this is a lot better than that amico piece of shit. I was playing a Zelda, and then I played the, the bubble bubble. I played that for a while. And I... Oh, Tony, oh, thanks Tony. for checking in. You got to sleep it off, buddy. You got to sleep it off, You got to sleep it off. You doing, doing some shots with, uh, with Miyamoto-san there? With Miyamoto-san. <laughs> Well, 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 give an update in the future if uh, if Tom rec- uh, recovers there from the from the horrible hollow ride accident there. Well, that was funny. Famous so- Jewish celebrity. There you go. I can't believe that's Sierra uh, Miyamoto. Uh, Max, don't even jokingly call New Jersey an armpit. That's very insulting. <laughs> very insulting. Jer- Jersey just uh, legalized weed a few weeks ago. Well, it's finally it's in effect. You can buy it there. There you go. Marijuana. All right. Hot. You know marijuana. Marijuana. That's it for the podcast. We had a fun time. I'm going to go have a bunk pack bar and uh, work. You, you got to get your own. <laughs> I got Brother. some. Oh, you got some? I, I, got, I got one uh, blueberry vanilla left. Is that, is, that, is that? Okay, I'll trade you next time. If it's I, not my I, favorite. I, oh, it's not? Coconut. Right. Coconut we, chocolate we can, chip we can do is a, my We'll favorite. do a hostage negotiation there. We can trade. But the blueberry's good. All right. I'm uh, going to go home and wait patiently for my new Hot Wheels uh, A-Team van. All right. Thanks so much. I'm going to go uh, edit this thing. All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>